0: Okay, I think I'm good. Alright, so we're going to be in Second uh, Peter chapter, I mean Second Peter chapter 1 verse 19. Um, today's going to be somewhat of like related to last time or last sermon. Um, uh, for those of you who aren't here, we talked about the scriptures and... Um, God's work and salvation and how He draws us and how uh, by means of the word that's how we get saved. so um, we're going to kind of like delve a little bit more into what are the scriptures and what do they mean, where do they come from and um, we're going to be in, um, in in Peter verse 19. Um, Where Peter gives us more or less of the whole overview of what the scriptures are and where they come from. So he begins by saying, you guys can sit. Um, (laughs) Everybody's just, you can sit. Um, Verse 19, and we have the prophetic word more more surely confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp is the foundational doctrine of Christianity. You know, it's what the Bible is what makes us Christians. Um, <coughs> the 66 books, the Old and New Testament of, of, of the Bible is what separates us from any other religion in the world. And the, the Bible is also the book that has been tested, criticized, critiqued, attacked more than any other religious book out there. Um, And it has stood the test of time for 2,000 years against constant attack both from inside of the church and from outside of the church. And um, it's important for God's people or for the church to always be reminded of what is it that we believe or we're supposed to believe about the Bible. Um, If you notice in verse 20, Peter says, knowing this first of all. In other words, this is this is the first thing. This is the foundational thing. Uh, this is your starting point. Um, and then he says, "No prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation." Now, the the English, just about every translation that I saw, they they more or less say the same thing. But in the Greek language, the word "interpretation." Uh, means to release or to lose when you untie a a knot, you know. And it also is used to 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 mean explaining. When you explain something that is very complicated, you kind of make make it available, you release it, you on untie it. Um, uh, it also can be used to mean understanding. So um when he says no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation uh, what he's saying is that no prophecy of scripture and by prophecy of scripture he means the, the Bible, the Old Testament in, in his day and the New Testament as it was being written it, it does not come about it does not come into existence out of somebody's own understanding or out of somebody's own ideas um, but that man spoke from God as they were carried along or moved along or or lifted along by the holy spirit so what he's referring to is is not necessarily how you interpret the bible he's referring to how the bible originates and the reason that's important is because the the roman church the roman catholic church uses this verse to teach that you're not supposed to interpret the bible on your own but that you need the Tradition of the church and the magisterium to know the Bible. So you can't interpret the Bible. and They use this verse. But the verse is not saying that. Peter is not getting into how do you interpret the Bible. He's basically telling us the origin. Where does the scripture come from? Um, then he goes on to say that um, uh, no, no, no scripture ever came about by the will of men. So in other words, not only does it originate in God, but it's also by the will of God that it was put down for us to have it. So it was God's origination intent and will for us to have his word. Now, um, how did this came about? Because if, if if you look at your Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you're looking at about maybe... 3,000 to 4,000 years of history. So from Genesis to Revelation, you have men and women living through thousands of years of time, putting this together little by little until we have it in its final form. And this is something that even archaeology can testify. Even people who don't believe in the Bible can can see this in history, how the Bible in different periods of history, little by little started coming about in a period that took thousands of years. So you have thousands of years of a consistent message being put about, you know, being written down by people who were kings, some of them. Some of them were prophets. Some of them were people that we don't even know. Some of them were regular folks. Um, All of these men, educated, non-educated, put this book together into a consistent message. And the work of God was not some mechanical thing where God dictated, you know, God uses. If you look at the scriptures and the scholars who look at this in the original language, you can see Paul didn't write like Peter. You know, Paul was different. He had a different style. Uh, Peter was a little more choppier, you know, he was a little bit more you know, well, some of them, the book of Hebrews is written in beautiful Greek very high class poetic Greek, some of the writings of the other apostles is very downgrade, you know, Greek you see the same thing in the Old Testament, so God was not mechanically just moving people like robots, but he was uh, carrying along, the Holy Spirit was carrying along these writers using their intellect, their intelligence, their thought process, their own styles, abilities, talents. As they were writing the word of God, the spirit was breathing his word and putting into paper what God wanted to say over a period of 4,000 years. So this is a very miraculous thing that you have here in your hand. Um, and why are you turning off on me? Um, the fact that this happened the way it did, you know, the, the, the Quran, for, for example, God revealed, Allah revealed everything to Muhammad and he dictated it to somebody, boom. You know, you don't have anything like this in, in anywhere else in history, you know. 40 or something writers, men, women, of different places, of different times. Old Testament was mostly Jewish people. But then you have some Greek people, you know, and and Gentiles in the New Testament also writing the scriptures and the words of God. You don't have anything like that anywhere else in history. So that alone testifies to the veracity of this book. This could only have been God that did that. We can't do this on our own. We can't even share Facebook posts (laughs) properly, let alone put this down uh, over a period of 4,000 years. So, the scriptures, um, God superintended, that's the word that the scholars use, superintended the writers of scripture using their own personality, style, talents, thought process, and mind to write his perfect word without taking away their humanity. So, the scriptures come from God, they are theonostas, meaning God breathed, um, They're a product of his being. They're a revelation of his mind. God speaks to us through his word. This is how he speaks to us. A lot of people say, why can't just God just come out and say something? Well, he did. Not only he said it, he actually recorded it so you could have it. And then he preserved it for 2,000 years in a myriad of different languages. So, you're asking for God to speak to you. He did. So if you're not listening to him now, you're not going to listen to him if he showed up and and spoke to you because that's what he he did. Um, so this is uh, God's word. This is a product of His being. This is a revelation of His mind. Um, now, if this is true, if what Peter is saying about the origin of these scriptures, about the origin of this of of this book, then I have uh, three. Three implications. These are my three points. Um, Number one is inerrancy. I'm going to give you the three the three points. If the scriptures are what Peter says they are, there are three implications. Number one is inerrancy, meaning without error. Number two is authority. And number three is sufficiency. So let's start with the first one. Inerrancy. Inerrancy simply means the scriptures are without error. By error he but when we say error, we mean it's not only that the scriptures don't have any mistakes in regards to spiritual things, but also to scientific things, and also in regards to historical accounts. Um, obviously, if God, who created the, wor- the, the whole world, inspired this book, then God, who created the world, knows everything there is to know about the world that he created. Um, so that means that the Bible... And its original form, is without error in anything that it affirms, not only spiritually, but also scientifically and historically. Um, Psalms chapter 12, verse 6 says, The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace, on the ground, purified seven times. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace. See, the way that people would take metals like silver and gold to, to get rid of all its blemishes and all of its corruptions. They would put it in a furnace that would heat it up. And you will burn out the, the draws and all of the blemishes there was until you got a pure uh, gold or, or silver. So when, when, when the psalmist says the words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refining a furnace on the ground, Purify seven times. The word seven in the Bible, it's, it's completion, it's perfection. So God's words are pure. They're without corruption. They are without error. And they are perfect. Psalms 19:9 9 says, The ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous all together. The law of the Lord is perfect, that is blameless, restoring the soul. Your righteousness is everlasting and your law is true. But you are near, O oh Lord, and all your commandments are true. Basically, Psalms 119, you can read the whole Psalms 119. And it speaks about the purity, the perfection, the, pure, the, 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 the purity of God's work, how true they are and how perfect they are. Now, unfortunately, uh, nowadays you see within the church people denying this doctrine and usually they'll say that the Bible is inerrant or perfect in matters of salvation but not in matters of history and and science and the reason they have to say that is because if you want to believe in evolution for example which the Bible contradicts if you read Genesis then you cannot hold to those things together, right? Something's got to give. So The Bible is true, they will say, when it comes to salvation. But when it comes to history and science, then those things are cultural. God was just speaking to those people back then in a language they could understand, etc. And and so they don't hold to the uh, scientific truthfulness or historical truthfulness of the Bible. Now usually when you're going to do that, I don't, I don't know who gets to decide that, right? Well, we're going to say the Bible is true here, but not here. Here, but not here. Usually when you start going down that road, you in a slippery slope, you end up denying the whole Bible altogether, which is what we see today with the churches and the marriage issue and all that. How did they start it? Well, they started 100 years ago saying the Bible is true, only in matters of salvation, but everything else, you know, we have better uh, Testimony now, because of science and all that um, but the church has always held that god 's word if i if i have a if you have a choice this is where your faith if you have a choice between some scientific finding and the Word of God, you stay with the Word of God, and you give it some time before a new scientific finding would disprove the old scientific finding and the new scientific finding will eventually show that the scripture was right from the beginning. Because that has happened for the past 300 years. If you look back in science and all the things that scientists believed like in the 1800s and how much of that has been disproved and how much of that now correlates with the scriptures how are we going to deny the word of God you know, how, how can true, true science could never contradict the Bible because the Bible is a revelation of the God who made the world that the scientist is trying to observe. So how can you, how can science trump the Bible? God made this world. He knows how the world works. So his revelation that comes from his mind, the very mind that created the world, can never contradict the scripture. So, your faith is, Mr. Scientist, you found something, but I'm going to give it some time because God's word cannot be broken. And God's word is, this is, see, people say this is an old book. No, this is an eternal book, you see. It's timeless. So it's always timing because it's, it's, it, it's not bound by progress or modernity, it's, it's timeless, it's eternal, it originates in God. So I'll stay with my Bible <laughs> until you do more research and find out, you know, the, 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 how the Bible is right, which you're going to deny anyways. So the scriptures are without error, they're perfect, they're inerrant in every single thing that they affirm. If the Bible affirms it, must be true because God cannot lie. Now, if the scriptures are, if they come from God, if they're perfect and they're pure, uh, they're obviously have authority. They're authoritative in our lives. Um, the reformers call it sola scriptura, so scripture alone, meaning the scriptures are the supreme authority in all matters of faith and practice. If this is the word of God, and if this if this word is perfect, then it has authority over our lives. It has, it, we're under the scriptures. Um, the Apostle Paul says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training, and righteousness that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Teaching, that means explaining it faithfully and properly. Reproof, that is pointing out false teaching, correction, that's correcting the false teaching, and training in righteousness, that is holy living. This is our authority. The Roman Catholic Church, the reason why the Reformers came up with that slogan, sola scriptura, is because the Roman Church denies that the scripture alone is authoritative. They divide it into the church tradition, which is the, the Pope, and, and the magisterium, the Bible, and the no, the Pope, the Magisterium, and the Bible. Here's the problem. Tradition, they'll say, okay, oh, yeah, the scriptures are authoritative, but you cannot interpret it on your own. God has appointed the church to interpret the Bible for you. And the the interpretations of the Bible is approved by the Pope. So ultimately it's the Pope and the church who have authority over the scriptures. Because they will tell you, yes, you you know, the scriptures are authoritative. But it's according to proper interpretation. Which is the one that we've decided it is. Which is influenced by church tradition. That's why when you run into a Roman Catholic and you, well, the Bible doesn't say that you should venerate saints or whatever. And you try to go to the scriptures, they'll say, oh, yeah, yeah. But that's, that's, you know, church tradition It's also infallible, and it's also authoritative. So they deny, you know, when when you deny the authority of Scripture, or you even seek to make break the authority of Scripture, make it share it with something else, eventually this goes away, and whatever you're putting in, in its place is what takes over, which happens in the Roman Catholic Church. We believe that the Scriptures are authoritative. We believe that the scriptures have authority even over the leaders of the church are under the authority of scripture. You are under the authority of scripture. Our marriages are under the authority of scripture. We can also hold to the authority of scripture our governments. You've seen how marriage is being redefined now in the United States. Well, the Supreme Court said that this is what it is. Fine, but above the Supreme Court, there is another authority that we have that is beyond the authority of the Supreme Court. And this authority says otherwise. So it doesn't matter what you decide. We already, you, you cannot redefine something that is already a fact here in this word. So the, the, the Bible is the supreme authority um, in all matters of faith and doctrine. Now, this brings us back around. If the Scriptures come from God, they're inspired, if they're without error, if they're authoritative, then they are sufficient for us. In other words, we don't need pronouncements from the Pope. We don't need visions. We don't need anything else to be added to the Scriptures. The Scriptures alone are not only authoritative... They are sufficient for us. Now, if you go back to 2 Peter, um, and and I was reading this last night, and and it's just just mind-boggling. Peter, I don't know if you remember, if you read the Gospels, Peter, um, uh, I forgot which chapter in, in the Gospels, but I think most of the Gospels tell you this account where Peter goes up to the Mount of Transfiguration, and there he sees Jesus transfigured, and, and he hears the voice from heaven speak. Well, he, he tells of this account here. Listen to what he says in, in verse 16 of Second Peter chapter 1. He says, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father... And the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice from heaven. For we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have a more sure word. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, I was up in the mountain. I saw him being transfigured in all his glory. In fact, he saw Moses, I believe, in Elijah in the account. And then he heard the voice of Jehovah, God the Father, the God of the Jews. He heard him audibly speak from heaven. And Peter says, that's not enough. We have a more sure word than that experience. That means that the Bible, Peter is saying that the Bible is more reliable than the eyewitness accounts of the apostles themselves. Now here's a man who saw something that nobody ever, I I mean, whatever God has done in your life, that's pretty awesome what Peter saw. I mean, that probably tops it. Peter saw Jesus being transfigured in his eyes and right in front of his face, He hears the voice of the Father speaks, and then he says, we have something better. The Bible is greater than experience, revelations, voices, or anything else that you hear people say. The scripture is more sure than all of that. Peter is telling us that the Scriptures are more sure and reliable source of authenticating the glory and divinity of Jesus than the eyewitnesses' account of the apostles themselves. Peter is telling us that the Scriptures are superior even to personal experience, that they are enough, that we don't need visions, revelations, or pronouncements from the Pope. The Word of God does not need any help or aid to accomplish what is intended to do. It alone is sufficient. The Word of God is sufficient. Uh, We don't need methods, we don't need polls, we don't need tricks or ideas. The Word of God explained to the best of our ability and believed by faith will accomplish all it needs to accomplish. And everything else is dross in the fire that will be burned up. So the conclusion uh, Peter goes on to say, we do well to pay attention, that is to heed, to put an effort and caring, to investigate the scriptures, to study them, to research them, to learn them and apply them, to know what they mean and how to teach them. This is our commission as a church, is to know the scriptures, to study them, um, to look for resources that help you accomplish that, to listen to men who... Uh, explain them and expound them to the best of their uh, ability. Um, Because, you know, you you can buy a great Christian book and you read it through. The Bible is not something that you just read it through. You will be reading this book for the rest of your life. The more you understand, the more you realize how little you actually understand. Until... You know, you spend the, all of your life is studying and researching it and, and, and learning it and maybe you get your toes wet. <laughs> Let alone go in the pool and swim. Uh, because like I said, this is an eternal book given to us. This is God's word given to his people. Uh, and we do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star Rises in our hearts. Um, Amen. Amen. So. Thank you all for listening. And I'll see you next Sunday.